0: Hi, Sahil. This is Louise from Capital and Girls. How are you today?
1: I'm good. How are you doing?
0: I'm great. Thank you. I really am excited to speak with you about your experience. Uh, For our listeners, Sahil is the founder of Gumroad and also wrote a very interesting post on Medium that went viral recently. So I want us to start by talking a little bit about that. You mentioned that you were the second employee at Pinterest, and you left before your stock options vested, uh, which, as we know, is a company that's now valued at twelve billion dollars, and some say it might be going public this year. Do you have any regrets about that decision to leave?
1: Um, not really. Honestly, I think regrets are mostly a waste of time. So mm-hmm. I try, I try not to think too much in hypotheticals. I think they would drive most people. Well, I'm on a call, so give me like, yeah, a little bit more. Sorry. Um, yeah, so, uh, uh, yeah, so I, I mean, I think, yeah, regrets are, yeah, just not a great way to spend most of your time. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I mean, definitely, uh, you know, thinking about how much my stock would be worth if I stuck around for a while, you know, in the dozens of millions of dollars, but I don't know. Uh, Money is money, and my experiences that I've been able to have in in this past um, have been pretty great.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I did love the way you concluded your Medium post about how wealth is not necessarily the best or only measure of success.
1: Yeah, totally. I mean, it's an easy one. It's the one that we end up thinking about a lot, right, especially when Mm -hmm. we compare ourselves to other people. Um, because it seems like it's one of the few things that sort of, like, you have to, you know, it it sort of sets a baseline for, like, you did something. Um, But I think, yeah, I think most people I know, I don't know, the older you get, the the, sort of the more you realize that, like, your net worth is not really what's going to get you, you know, excited um, Mm -hmm. about doing, doing whatever you're doing. It's a nice scoreboard, especially if you're living in a city that, like, San Francisco that has all this stuff going on. It's sort of just like an easy way to like sort of roughly stack where you are relative to other people and measure your growth as a human being, but I think long term, it it's pretty terrible, right? Because you cannot control it. Like at the end of the day, your net worth is sort of not sort of always correlated with how much effort you're putting in or how much cool stuff you're building or how many people you're helping, even. Yeah, it can be quite arbitrary.
0: Yeah. How do you measure success now? Do you have a, a best way that you think of more often now than, you know, starting a billion-dollar company?
1: Um, that's a good question. I honestly don't think I have a better answer right now. I think mm-hmm. my, my default answer has become, like, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I'm sure there is a better option. Um, you know, you can measure impact. Um, But that's much more abstract. You know, it's not as easy as looking at a single number somewhere. Um, but I think for me right now, you know, I don't sort of measure my success. I just measure sort of what I'm doing. And I don't sort of, I don't try to like critically analyze, like, was that the absolute best thing I could have done? Or like, did I perfectly execute on blank? It's more about like this sort of like holistic growth over time. So for example one of the hobbies i have is painting and i paint around 18 hours a week and uh from life like a human head or something mm-hmm. and i I'm, I'm you know if i have a really great painting i celebrate it if i don't i celebrate it <laughs> you know um because it's about this like multi year journey for me in improving my ability to paint from life and so it doesn't you know it's like if i if i measure myself on like the success of each painting, I would go crazy and it would stress me out from like doing the painting itself. Right. Whereas right now I'm just like, I'm having fun. As long as I show up and I do the thing, I'm good. And I, I'm a pretty big believer that 99% of your personal growth doesn't come from this like sort of super critical, uh, version of your, of your own feedback, you know, like sort of self-deprecation or whatever. It's really just doing the thing and being like somewhat aware of, you know, how you're, sort of solving the problem and sort of trying to find better ways to do it. But I don't think it requires this like sort of super negative, uh, view, which I think can happen. Um, mm-hmm. you know, when, 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 you, when you make the stakes so high, it's so easy to be like, dang it. I like, I could have done this and I messed it up and
0: it sucks, you know? Right. Uh,
1: and I just don't think that's super healthy. And it's not really where I want to be right now in my life.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I like that a lot. Um, so let's, Talk a little bit about Gumroad and how you got started. Where did the idea for that um, company come from? uh, For the people listening who might not be familiar, it's an online platform where sellers can uh, sell their products easily. Some people compare it to platforms like Etsy and things like that. Um, But when we were coming up with the idea, what started that for you?
1: Yeah. Um, I wanted to sell a product that I had made myself. I've made this little pencil icon in Photoshop and I just didn't sort of figure out if there was an easy way for me to do that. And, Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I felt like, you know, if I wanted to give it away for free, there were so many different services I could use to go do that. But the minute I wanted to charge anything for it, it doesn't didn't really matter how little a dollar, for example, it became super difficult. I had to figure out credit card processing and all sorts of stuff. Um, And so I was like, I like, this should exist. Like, I wonder how much stuff doesn't sort of get out there because it was just too hard. Uh, and so that's sort of the initial idea around it was like, how easy could we make something? Uh, you know, how how easy could we make it for someone to sell something? Uh, mm-hmm. Could we make it as easy to sell something as it would, would be to share something? Is it possible? Um, so that was like the sort of the initial idea. Yeah. Idea behind government. it's evolved. You know, we do a lot more. We do a lot of file hosting, and we help lots of people sell educational content. You know, we have forty thousand creators that do stuff like that. But it, I, I think at the core is the same, which is like if people want to make stuff, we want to make it really easy for them to sell that stuff, so that they, they can focus on making stuff, which for most creators is a much more enjoyable part of their life than like dealing with the actual commerce part. You know.
0: hmm Of course. So you basically built the company that you needed at that time.
1: Totally, yeah, it works pretty well. I always tell people, if you do that, at least you have one user. Mhm.
0: Great. And what does the name Gumroad mean? Where did you come up with that?
1: Uh, I hate this question. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, honestly, there's not not there's not a lot of significance to it. Uh, mm-hmm. I built the thing, and I needed a name, and I just went through my domain list of the sort of domains that I had registered over the years, and it was one of the few that was sort of generic enough that it fit the purpose, you know? Mm-hmm. And I just, you know, I just used it. And it's funny because i now, nowadays I don't even think about it until someone reminds me. I'm like, Oh yeah, that's the name. of the company. But it's fine. It really, yeah. You know, I think cause some people get caught up on names and I always, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I think any, anything after success feels right. You know, there are some terrible, yeah. terrible company names. Um, including some of the biggest in the world, right? Like Facebook to me is an absurd name. It makes no sense. Uh,
0: <laughs>
1: but you know, they're worth whatever eight hundred million billion dollars and all that. Who knows? But it worked out.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I do think there is value in just picking a name and getting started, as opposed to deliberating yeah. for it for months.
1: Yeah, you can always change it. You know, you can get your hands on some shiny .com and rebrand, right? Like a lot of companies do. So.
0: Right. Definitely. Um, and so you mentioned uh, angel investors as being one source of capital. Can you kind of elaborate on that? And were there any other sources of capital as well?
1: Yeah, so we raised two rounds of funding. The first round of seed round um, was uh, from a bunch of angels and some some VCs as well, some venture capital firms in Silicon Valley. Um, mm-hmm. Excel partners put in 400 grand, Max Levchin from PayPal put in 200. Uh, and then we had a bunch of different sort of smaller investors, Collaborative Fund, First Round Capital, SV Angel, um, Danny Reimer from Index, Seth Goldstein from Turntable and Delicious and some other companies. Um, yeah, so we had around, I think, 10 or 11 investors in the first round, and that was about a million and one. And then we raised pretty pretty quickly after, a few months after, we raised, I think, $7 million, uh, from Kleiner Perkins uh, which is sort of like this major top-tier uh, venture firm. Uh, and they led the round, and then everyone in the first round sort of got their parados in the, in the second round, or most of it. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and then this is your first startup, right? Or were there any past ideas or even half-formed kind of companies that never came to fruition?
1: I mean, it really depends how you define it. Um, mm-hmm. I've had a lot of ideas that I've tried to build uh a lot of them i have built and just sort of didn't work i think gummer was the first one that i felt deserved company status like deserved me trying to build a team trying to go out and raise money um there are other ideas i totally have that i think could have been great businesses but i was never excited enough about any of them that i was like i can spend five years you Mm -hmm. know doing this uh doing this thing um and that was like the, the bar for me it was like what can i really commit to Right. Um and once you do that, you're you know I think weekend projects is great. People should build whatever they want, and solve their own problems. But when you sort of want to commit long term to a project, right, like a when you want to raise money, you need to be super committed. You can't just be like, ah, oh, whatever, yeah, this is like the so far the most successful thing I've built.
0: Yeah. That makes sense. And then uh I know people compare Gumroad to Etsy all the time. Do you see them as a competitor or how is it kind of differentiated from those other products? Yeah.
1: Honestly, I don't know why people do that. Uh, I should figure (laughs) that out. I think it's mostly because I think people associate Gumroad and Etsy with, like, craft and with, like, people that want to really create cool stuff, independent creators. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think in sort of if you look at what people are actually selling, you know, we're mostly for digital content. We're a lot of software, a lot of videos, a lot of documentaries, um, you know, a lot of health and fitness stuff, right? And then on the other side with Etsy, you have mostly sort of, like, handmade products, right? Like, you're buying physical Sort of, I don't know what you call that—physical merchandise, physical product.
0: Right, right. Um,
1: but and, and then I think the other sort of fundamental difference with with Gumroad and Etsy um, is that Etsy is a marketplace, right? So their their pitch is uh, we're going to bring a lot of people that want to buy this sort of stuff, handcrafted goods, um, to these people, to you as a as a creator. Versus with us, we're like you have your own audience, you have your own sort of social following or email list or blog. Um, we're just going to help you. We're going to give you the tools to go monetize that audience that you already have. We're not going to give you a new one. We're working on that actually, so we Uh will sort of be closer to something like an Etsy. But I think yeah, the business model sort of is sort of pretty fundamentally different, I think. You know, it's
0: it's that's
1: an e commerce versus sort of a marketplace business. Um which the incentives are very different, I think.
0: Yeah, definitely. That makes sense. Um Okay, so going back to that uh, viral post that you had on Medium that was so fascinating, one of the most interesting things to me was how you talked about uh, instead of shutting down the business, you decided to keep it going because you were accountable to, as you put it, creators, employees, and investors in that order. And I'm interested in that because a lot of times it seems like the investors would expect to be first in that order. So can you kind of elaborate on that thought pattern? Yeah, totally. I mean – at the end of the day, the
1: reason you build something, I mean, people have their own reasons, but the, the, the reason that I wanted to build something was because I wanted to solve a problem, right? And, like, a problem can only exist if you're solving for a certain group of people. And so when we were thinking about what we wanted to do next, you know, it, it was almost – it was funny because I almost didn't include that part of the ethic because I thought it was so obvious. Like, obviously, mm-hmm. you would do that. Uh, and then my friend, one of my good friends, is reading it, and he's like, this is significant. Like, you should highlight that this is not normal uh, yeah, to do. Um and I really honestly almost didn't because I was like, I just feel like a bit cocky saying like, this is the right thing. But eventually, I I think I found some wording that was in the middle and worked and I was glad I kept it in there. Um mm-hmm. But yeah, you know, when we were uh, raising money, when we were hiring folks, you know, it was always like, look, this you're joining this company because we're building this thing. And we're building it for this group of people. And that's, like, the most important thing is that we solve this problem, right? Like, we want to see this really hard problem through. And, you know, frankly, the team was super on board, you know? The team was like, yeah, you know, like, it sucks that I don't get to work here anymore. But, you know, that's the right thing to do. Um, And so I think part of it was just making it very clear to everybody, including investors, that, that that was the priority stack, right? That, like, creators, our customers were first, um and that we were sort of building for them right and they and and the other thing that i think makes Gumroad a little bit different than a lot of other startups is that mm-hmm. a lot of startups um you know they saw so, they choose to solve a problem that they might think is interesting but maybe not like super vital um and i don't mean that sort of like in sort of like clear than that way but you know i really believe that we were solving a super important problem you know we were you know uh, the, the money that we were sort of paying out to creators was going to very important things in their lives often. And so for me to sort of, sort of take two and a half million bucks and say sorry, like every month, it's just, you're not getting that anymore, you know, because, because I wanted to work on something else or because I got bored or because, you know, or because I don't know, it was annoying to do support or whatever. Um, it just felt, I don't know, it didn't feel like a really reasonable thing for me to do honestly like I just don't think I could have done anything else
0: mm-hmm.
1: um uh and it's funny actually because I think I'm working on a book deal with with uh with a sort of a big four big five uh publisher and that's I'm, that's sort of the theme I think because I'm trying to figure out like why like why I almost can't separate myself from it like it's so obvious I need to like figure out why it isn't to a lot of folks <laughs> um because yeah, I think, I don't know. I think part of it is you just got to work on something you, you really find important. And then, you know, it's, it's, it's like, it's this weird thing where the company wasn't successful, but the product was right. right. Like I, I tell folks like, Gumroad is an amazing company and a terrible investment, a terrible sort of uh <laughs> ROI for investors. But like actually as a company, like, pretty cool like a pretty useful service for many people you know we've helped i don't pay out at this point over 185 million dollars to creators like that's not nothing um and so you know it's just like you kind of have to make that decision the other the other thing i think i was able to to do is like you know it wasn't the sort of the exact plan that i had for my life but there were all these other things that i wanted to do and i was able to structure my time in a way that i'm like okay cool like government is going i'm still working on a little bit but it's going to give me the freedom the space sort of tackle these other problems that i'm excited about you know for yeah. example learning to paint, learning to write uh and so it was kind of like you know in two years maybe i'll shut down the business but i don't need to do it today i can go do these other things i've really wanted to do you know um yeah. and then shut it down if i if i feel like it uh why you know after that sort of that distance has developed mm-hmm. because i think it's important when you're when you're making decisions that are pretty brutal right like you want to be sort of objective. You also don't want to keep something alive just because you feel like you should.
0: Right. But yeah, that time to work on side projects is incredibly valuable. It seems like a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with just having no work life balance that you can figure it out.
1: Um. (laughs) Well, you know, like when we were trying to raise that series B and we knew it was going to be difficult, I was working actually a friend of mine, uh, brought ran a a people sort of analytics company, so he he did the math for me, um, and and just like based on Slack messages and stuff, and he said I was working on average sixteen hours a day for nine Mm -hmm. months. Uh so I mean, basically twenty four seven, which you know makes sense if your company might die. Like, yeah, probably. Yeah. What you should be what you should be doing, Uh, but you know, like after that, it was like I remember when we, you know, it was like crap. Like the company isn't dead. So, like, that's another marathon I have to run. Like, after I thought I could just, you know, I was like approaching a finish line in my head of Mm -hmm. some degree, uh, for, you know, for for better or worse. And, uh, and so, yeah, I think, I think after that, I was like, I went the opposite. Where I'm like, okay, I need to sort of really prioritize everything except this company. Right. Um, Which is actually how I think about things today, even though I do work on Gumroad a lot. But, uh, yeah, I think I've learned a lot from that from that experience, for sure. And I don't regret it. I think a lot of people sometimes look to me as, like, a person that says VCs are evil or stupid or, or you know, like, founders should only work, like, 40 hours a week or less or whatever.
0: And wow. I, don't, I don't know.
1: I, I think it's sort of, like, situation-dependent, you know?
0: Yeah, like absolutely.
1: The problem sort of dictates a different uh, attitude every, every time.
0: Yeah. So let's talk a little bit more about how you get your users because it almost seems like it was kind of easy for you to to find users but a lot of companies really struggle with getting trapped It's yeah. paying for clicks and things like that. Did you just yeah. really do it organically? Do you have paid, you know, solutions or how do you solve that problem?
1: Yeah, I mean in the beginning and I think I recommend this to everybody, and I think everyone knows, but they don't like hearing it, so they ask anyways. Uh <laughs> But, you know, it's a lot of emails, like it's a lot of cold calls, outreach, trying to find people in your network that know people, you know, it's really like at the beginning, no one really knows who you are. You're sort of this new company that could die any moment, you know, like there's a risk associated with using any new software. And um I think you have to sort of put in the work and, you know, just sort of talk to people and convince them sort of on a very sort of manual ad hoc basis. Uh-huh. And once you do that, it becomes easier, you know? It's like rolling a boulder up a hill or whatever. Like, it becomes easier as you as you gain momentum and you build a right. team and, and things like that. But, you know, even, like, we basically had two growth functions. One is sourced growth, we call it, which is, like, reaching out to people and getting them to use Dumber, which we don't really do anymore, but we used to. Uh, mm-hmm. And it was, like, 80, 80% of our volume, you know, was, like, sourced or something. Um, and then over time, just the organic stuff just happened, you know? Yeah. Um, the organic stuff can't, you can't really force it. I mean, maybe there's some geniuses out there. Uh, I don't, don't consider them. I, I, I'm pretty good at product, but I think marketing is something I'm actually investing in now. It's sort of on in just how to learn how to do it myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it is, I think the right attitude, you know, like it's like marketing is like fire. It's like, or it's like fuel. And if you don't have like a fire to pour it on, right? If you don't have a product that people already like using, you're just burning that money. Like it doesn't make any sense to me. Um, so for me, it's like, you know, I'm sure paid growth works. I'm sure SEO and Facebook ads and retargeting, and all that stuff. I'm, I'm not dismissing them. But I think at the end of the day, like, if, if I wanted to build something super meaningful, um, it would have to be organic. Like, that's just kind of what I signed up for. I also picked a product that had some sort of organic built into it, right? Like, to right. sell a product on government, you have to tell your audience about it. So there's, that's sort of inherently happening all the time. Um, the other thing that I think it really paid off, because when when we had to shrink the team, it continued to grow. Right. Whereas if we had Mm -hmm. built the growth engine in a different way, like it might have required more people in the company or more capital expenditure. Whereas like the minute we shrunk from 20 to 5 and then 5 to 1, our growth was basically the same. Like it didn't really change that significantly because the growth was already so organic, so sort of, uh, you know, so sort of uh, averaged out at that point just by the scale of it, you know. Um, Yeah. It's, it's, and the other thing is, you know, when, when you're helping people monetize, it's very difficult to quote-unquote growth hack. Like, it's very difficult mm-hmm. to convince people in some artificial way to buy, like, $200,000 a month more of something.
0: Right. You know?
1: Yeah. You know, if, you, if you're if you building a sort of a different product, maybe you can, you know, I can, can, I can growth hack. I can figure out, like, okay, how do we get people to, like, fill in their profile information more? That's easy. Uh, or, like... All these other sorts of things, but to actually sell a product like the the life cycle of selling a product of a single sale that happens on Gummer, there's years you know before and after that happens,
0: mm-hmm. right
1: like there's building the audience, which can take years there's learning the skill, there's making the product there's all this sorts of stuff um so and if, you know I think you you know in that post you kind of see that right you see that grass and it's like the most heartening and disheartening thing for me because <laughs> right. it's like. Amazing we built this thing that sort of has its own life and engine and grows. But then also like terrible because I'm like I am like I literally can't do anything about that. It's just what it is. It's it's its own separate thing outside of me. And if I worked sixteen hours a day for nine months or if I worked four hours a week for nine months, same same crap different day.
0: Right. Yeah. You kinda set it on the track and it kept rolling.
1: Yeah, it's you know, it's like it's like uh, I don't know. There's a lot of metaphors people love, right? But like the ocean, right? Like mm-hmm. it's like at some point, like you can you can whatever get really good at sailing, but at, you know, if the if the water, or the wind, or whatever is not in your in your favor, you're kind of screwed. Yeah, um, and I think that's one of the important lessons that I learned, and that I hope other people do too. Is like markets are are big things, you know, <clears throat> and I think they're easy to ignore because people. There are examples of people, startups that have made markets or, or, um, or feel like, look like they have, but I think people ignore sometimes, I think, the, the power of markets. I think the agency and the individualism that is sort of prevailing in our culture, like, makes us think that sort of these big forces don't exist sometimes, or at least, like, you can sort of just, like, walk around them. Um, mm-hmm. and I, I think that's less true than, than a lot of folks think. I think, I think these big forces are, are quite big. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, it, and it's very difficult to sort of maneuver maneuver around them. And I think even if you find examples of companies that have, there's often sort of like lower-level shifts that sort of people just aren't aware of. Interesting.
0: Um, let's get into the kind of specific tools and technologies that you found useful as you're, you know, building this company that just kind of is now on its own little growth path. Um, mm-hmm. What What things have helped you along the way?
1: Technologies-wise, you mean?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, tools, um, software, anything like
1: that. Yeah, I mean, I'm a pretty simple person. Uh, I love GitHub. GitHub is, like, you know, the core of our business. Like, everything is on GitHub, um, which is, like, version control for, for you know, software development. Um, I really loved Asana back when we had, like, a sort of a sizable team, and I think at some point we'll probably reinvest in product management software outside of GitHub again. But for mm-hmm. now, GitHub has absorbed that, which is awesome. Um I love Twitter. I think Twitter is like an amazing way to market, to build relationships with people and to like provide people almost like a, a, a track record in like this more atomic way of like all the things that I think. Um Correct. I think it's like the best sort of resume you could you could have or sort of way to validate if someone's a good fit for the company culturally or anything like that. Um though definitely not a requirement to use Twitter though I do recommend it. Um oh. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like, most, most software is, I think, like, pretty overrated. You know, like, the, the you know, if you have, so, if you use GitHub, if you use uh, Slack, I guess, right? If you have emails and then Google Apps, and, like, that's about it. You can, you know, AWS is phenomenal, right? Uh, you know, but you could use Roku or Google App Engine, which is what we used in, in the early days. Um, I, I honestly think, like, don't, unless you're really building a technology company, like, I think technology companies are misnomer because you're not really differentiated on technology, right? Like, you're, you're uh-huh. differentiated on product, You're differentiated on, like, your marketing. You're, you're differentiated on the sort of the specific, specific features of design and design and market you're going after and, and things like that. But, like, at the end of the day, like, to me, I don't know. It's always, like, uh, it's not a hard problem on a technical level, right? It's not, like, some yeah. crazy. Um, most startups are not, except when they scale. So then, then there are more problems and definitely we have a few of those, but even then, you know, it's like, I think, I think people overthink that stuff and it's like, just use the basic stuff first. Mm -hmm. Um, Use, I always, you know, use the thing that other people are using because the thing that is going to matter the most is when you hire people, how easy it is to hire people and how easy it is for them to get onboarded. Right. And Uh if you're using really cool stuff that no one else uses, it's going to be really hard to hard, really hard to hire people. And it's going to be very difficult to onboard people once you convince them to work at your weird little company. So I always, you know, I'm like default to the default. Like that's not uh, a bad, a bad decision. You definitely want to make some grit, take some risks and do some weird, clever stuff, but pick your battles and Mm -hmm. probably do those on the things that are really close to the core competency of your business. Not on like, you know, version control or like product development, product management, things like right. that. I think I think on those things you you want to play it pretty safe.
0: Yeah. Keeping it simple. Good. Um on the flip side of that, are there any problems or annoyances that you kind of wish you could outsource or have a software solution for that?
1: Um Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of what we're dealing with right now is around remote, having a remote distributed team. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's still a sort of a new uh, thing that people are trying out and doing at scale. And I think as we grow the company, I'm excited about it, but I definitely can sort of see the pains already. Um, I think there's a lot of opportunity for people to help companies that are sort of remote first um, build, uh, their process out and build their automated tooling and and we have a couple services in house and I'm building a couple more um, to make that easier for us. Uh, mm-hmm. I also think there are a lot of opportunities. Uh, there's a, there's a lot more companies that are really small. They're mostly engineers, maybe a one designer, and they and they're happy with that. Like they don't want to grow that much, right? And and um, but there's a lot of things that are painful for for companies at that side support uh, sales. Uh, managing their social media and all that stuff, um, their marketing website, and I think those, a lot of those roles, I think, um, will be made easier and more automated via via some simple software um, in the next few years. I'm a pretty big believer in that, and and so I have a couple side projects that are related to that too, sort of things that we struggle with at Gumroad that I think would make it would make it a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, depending on how that goes, I'd, I'd be really curious to sort of see what other folks do do with that as well.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Um for this question, the answer might seem obvious, but I'm still curious what you have to say. What would you call the most challenging situation that you've ever faced as an entrepreneur?
1: Oh man, honestly, it all blurs together. I think it's hard. <laughs> I th- I I would say I, one of the hardest things um was when we shrunk from 20 to 5. Mm-hmm. Um You know, before that, I was asking those five people that I wanted, you know, would you be interested in this? Right. And everyone was like, yeah, I would love to help make this sustainable and whatever. And uh, it it was awesome because it was like the dream team, you know, going back, building it up. It would have been really great, I think. Um, But right before, like the week before, all five or all four, including, you know, I was one of the five. I think um, we're like, sorry, like, I don't think it's the right fit for me anymore, mm-hmm. uh, which is very reasonable. I mean, I don't saw anyone for that at all. Um, and I'm sure it was the right decision for them, but that was just like, oh, am I even that interested in doing this at all now? You know, mm-hmm. I, I was so like the thing that got me motivated to like not give up was, yes, I get to work with this amazing team. And it's funny because now we've actually hired a couple of folks from, from, from that, those days.
0: Mm-hmm. So that's
1: exciting. Um, but, yeah, that was probably, I think, the, sort of the most emotionally, it just felt like, you know, we tried to raise money, failed, you know, spent nine months in crunch mode, failed, did layoffs. But, it, you know, it was like, there was still this light at the end of the tunnel, oh, and then all of a sudden, mm-hmm. like, nope. And it was fine. The people that we, we the, the five that we did get were amazing. I don't, you know, they're awesome people. Um, and it was super, you know, I'm glad the way things panned out. I think it worked out amazing. Um, But, you know, at the time, it was like, oh, crap.
0: Right. Like the final straw almost.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly.
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, Do you have any final words of wisdom or advice for other aspiring entrepreneurs or kind of smaller e-commerce brands that are trying to build something sustainable?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think... Make sure you're doing. You know, you've you picked a problem that you really enjoy working on because you're probably going to work on it longer than you think, and it's probably going to take longer than you think to <laughs> to get any semblance of of tr- traction. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, you're going to give up, frankly, if you don't like the thing that you're doing. Uh, it's hard enough if 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 you do like the thing. That I can't even imagine what it's like if you don't. Right. Um, But, yeah, I think that's really important. I think start, like, just, you know, if you want to start a company, like, go start a company, like, figure it out, build a product, like, learn the skills that you need to know to build a thing. Um, It really annoys me when people say I can't code because I couldn't code, and I'm happy to show you the Gumberg source code on day one, and it was not great. You can get by, I think, with less. And, I don't know, like, the skill of making the thing, regardless of, like, whatever excuses you can come up with, because I'm sure I can come up with better ones. Um, It doesn't matter. You know, people don't care. People want to see the thing built. Frankly, people don't care either way. So unless you build a thing and then shove it down enough people's throats, like no one's going to ever care. And so it's always funny when people are like, oh, I don't want to tell you my idea because I think someone might steal it. And I'm like, I'm sorry. (laughs) I guarantee your idea is not worth stealing. Um, And if it is, like... You, got, you picked a really simple, I don't know. Like most, most problems are hard because they're hard, you know? Mm-hmm. Not because they, they, they required some sort of profound epiphany to get to. And once that epiphany is known, like all the other stuff is easy. Right. Yeah, I think people freak out about that. Let's just build the thing. There's nothing that's going to teach you how to build stuff faster than building stuff. It's just like painting. You can't learn to paint. Like watching someone paint is very different from painting yourself. And you just mm-hmm. physically cannot. And sometimes people don't get that. And I always say it's like sports. Like no one ever even thinks for a second that watching the NBA makes them a better basketball player. <laughs> right? Like yeah. Maybe very minutely. Uh but not really. And so it's similar. It's like if you wanna if you wanna do the thing, you you just have to do the thing. Um yeah. So do the things, get started, um, don't think too hard, it's gonna suck. But you know, if you if you're excited about something, uh, you know, that should be the exciting part. Is mm-hmm. the thing you know, the fact that you—I don't wake up and I'm like, oh yeah, this much money got through Gumroad. I look at Gumroad, I'm like, I built this, I made yeah. this thing happen that didn't exist before, and that's super cool. Um, and frankly, no one, no one really cares about any of that other stuff, anyway. It's, it's, it's just a ego thing.
0: Mhm. I love it. You're, you make being an entrepreneur sound like an art form almost.
1: Thank you. I'm getting into my art with my painting, so maybe it's rubbing off in different ways.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's very cool. Well, thank you so much. This has been really interesting, and I appreciate you taking the time to speak with us. And I'll definitely uh, share the write-up of the interview when I have it ready.
1: Awesome. Thanks so much. I really appreciate it.
0: Yeah. Have a great day.
1: You too. Take care. Bye. Bye. Bye.